Then you'll get told, oh, you have an anxiety disorder. And then you'll say, but why do I have an anxiety disorder? Well, because you have those symptoms. Well, why do I have those symptoms? Because you've got an anxiety disorder. Can you see you're going in circles? You're listening to the High Performance Health Podcast, helping you optimize your health, performance, and longevity. My name is Angela Foster, and I'm a former corporate lawyer turned high performance health coach. Each week, I bring you cutting edge biohacks, inspiring insights, and high performance habits to unlock optimal health, performance, and longevity. So excited that you've chosen to join me today. Now let's dive in. Hi friends, in this week's Bite Size episode, you're going to hear a little teaser clip of my upcoming interview with Dr. Caroline Leaf, who is a communication pathologist, audiologist, clinical and cognitive neuroscientist with a master's and PhD in communication pathology and a BSc in logopedics, if I can even pronounce that, specializing in cognitive and metacognitive neuropsychology. She's hugely knowledgeable about the brain. Um, Dr. Caroline came on our show back in October. Uh, That was episode 187. If you want to have a quick listen to that, it was a short episode. We were limited on time. So excited to welcome her back this coming week. And this is a little teaser of what's to come. She's amazing in the work that she's doing and really helping to change the conversation around mental health, depression, anxiety. So enjoy this little upcoming clip of what's more to follow on Tuesday's episode. When it comes to mind, mental health, things like depression and anxiety, those are not illnesses on the same level as as diabetes. And they so often have been explained as we talk about our diabetes and bipolar is by, by diabetes. It's nothing remotely the same. Because first of all, bipolar depression in itself is not a disease. Um, it's it's a it's a, sing, a signal that there's something that's not right in your life. And there's a signal of a series of things. So it's one of those signals I spoke about earlier on. So if, you, if we think of the word bipolar depression, don't think of disease or brain disease. Don't think of label. Don't think of any of that. Rather, think of, oh, this is a description of information of, about this. It's, it's, it's a signal that's giving me information about something I need to pay attention to. It's something trying to get my attention. So depression is actually good for you. If it's balanced, if you think of a balancing scale, we have depression and anxiety and all those things in this part, and we have joy and excitement, whatever there. And we have to have both as humans because without feeling a bit depressed when you think of what's going on in the world, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be have any empathy. We, we we should feel depressed when we look at you know immigrants dying in boats, you know outside Greece and that kind of thing. We look at the racism. We should be depressed and sad because that motivates us to do something and to have empathy and to and to function in our humanity. But that's when it's balanced. But when we don't know how to manage that, and we're told that we have a brain disease, and we don't get a chance to talk about what's going on, that, that the, 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 the things in our life, and that gets ignored, well, then this is going to tip in the other direction, because your non-conscious is sending you these signals and saying, hey, this toxic issue needs to be dealt with. And, you know, Oops, a signal comes up a bit of depression and you don't deal with it, it goes back, it's bigger. Now the next time the depression's bigger. So the scale tips and now depression shifts to the point where it's no longer working for you. It's now working against you. But it's still not a disease. But now it's creating uh, physical, uh, physical things, vulnerabilities in your brain and body because it's tipped into the danger zone where now your brain and body immune system are activated to see that as a challenge. And so now we've got to, we've got to get the scales back and we get the scales back not by saying you have a chemical imbalance because that's not what you have. It does, that's not the cause of your depression. To get the scale back in line, we have to allow you to tell your story. We have to allow you to embrace those signals 
to process them and reconceptualize them. We need to say, okay, how are you feeling? How is this showing up in your body? How is this affecting your perspective on life? How is this affecting your behaviors, what you say and what you do? Why do you think that's happening? Let's, let's capture this information. Let's, let's look at the patterns and the triggers. Let's look at this through another lens. Let's reconceptualize this. Let's see if we can reconstruct this. This has happened. We can't change what's happened, but we can change what it looks like inside of you. You know, what is the antidote? And then getting some sort of action that starts moving you in that direction. And doing that, which is actually called a neurocycle, those five steps that I've just described, um, and, and we can label them in a moment, those five steps, if you do those in a deliberate and intentional plan and guided way, daily for around 15 to 45 minutes, you will rewire the mind-brain-body connection. Your work, conscious mind will work with an unconscious mind, will listen to the messages coming through the subconscious, all the stuff you spoke about in the beginning will create a very insightful, deep connection that will enable you to drive the correct kind of energy through your brain to break down the toxic thoughts, this toxic tree. It doesn't disappear, but you find the root cause. This would be the root, the source of the issue. The tree trunk is how you process it. The branch is how it's showing up in your life in terms of emotions and behaviors and and um, perspectives and that kind of thing. So when we grab those emotions, behaviors, and perspectives, and we, through, through gathering awareness of them, and we start tracking back and reflecting on them, and we start moving down to the roots level and finding the source, and then saying, okay, this has happened. I can't change what someone did to me. It's happened. But what can I do to change, um, to make this livable, to get peace in my life, to be able to move forward? What are the things? What help do I need? You then weaken this energy. Energy is never lost. This is full of energy. It's never lost. It gets transferred. So as we heal the roots, in the, in the children's book, I talk about giving, literally taking plant food and finding the sick roots and putting plant food on the sick roots so that you can get this, this part to shrink and get this part new, healthy tree trunks and branches to grow. So eventually this part, look how it's getting smaller and smaller, this part takes over. So I remember I was once bullied or teased or abused or had a terrible relationship or whatever it was or collectively just too many things going on in your life. You remember all of that, but here's now what you have wired in as your new way of functioning. So when you triggered, this is what will come out. And you'll still remember this, but this is what will then be how you show up. It will be a shift. And that process is done through a very organized, systematic, mind-driven neuroplasticity process. And that's why I spent 38 years researching and still researching and doing developing theories and clinical application. And as I said, still doing current studies, writing up in science journals and that kind of thing. How do we find the signals, deconstruct and reconstruct them? And the neurocycles is collective body of knowledge that I've put together as, as a simple five-step process within which you can put all the great, you, you can use affirmations, but you use them at step five, not at step one. You use an affirmation at step one, it won't work. It won't, it'll just be a band-aid on the wound. You can use, you know, there's some great CBT techniques out there like visualization and, you know, and different ways. Of, but if you use them in any of the, in, in step one through four, they won't work. But if you do steps once you form new CBT at, at techniques in step five, that's going to work for you. you. We've all got great things that we've worked out in our lives or that people have told us that we apply, you know, a great statement or a great way of, you know, um, like I read something in, in, in the news today about um, a principle that is um, that is where we, I can't remember the exact name of it, but it's a, a Chinese sort of philosophy of going with the flow kind of idea. And so this is a beautiful principle to wire in. But if you just go with the flow at step one, 
you, you haven't processed the issue. You've got to first deconstruct this thing and then the go with the flow idea, which is brilliant, would be great for step five or step using in step four and five. So in other words, what I'm saying is I'm, I haven't developed the answer to life. I have just simply created a system. I'd never claim that. No one should ever try and claim something like that. What I have created is a system that aligns with the psychoneurobiology of how we as humans function. And if you've put things, whatever you want to do, just put it into that order and in and into the time frame that I have researched so intensively. And other scientists have, I mean, this is based on science that also already exists because you always, new science always comes out of, out of existing science and then you take it further. You are then being given the tools where you can rewire your brain and optimize your functioning. You know, build the good stuff, detox the bad stuff, and, you know, be a very well-balanced functioning human being that allows yourself to be messy, allows yourself to be depressed and anxious and frustrated, and but to see where's the balance. Okay, my balance is going off. I need to do a little bit of work. Mm. That makes sense. Isn't that interesting? Because obviously anxiety, I think it was one of the doctors also said, you know, it's the flip side of the same coin as depression. And I definitely did find that the anxiety came alongside. But it's interesting because when you stop kind of um, trying to push it away and accept, well, maybe on some level that anxiety, as you say, is here to serve me and point things out, it can dissipate so much more quickly because you're not resisting it. Yeah, because anxiety in itself, if you think of it, Diabetes makes sense. It's something wrong. Diabetes type, type one. There's something wrong with the pancreas. That makes sense. But when you say anxiety disorder, what does it mean? It's what we call a tautology. Because you'll say, I feel anxious and I'm having these thoughts of anxiety and I'm worrying a lot and I feel on edge. So you'll be a couple of dis- very broad descriptions, but it's still not detailed. It's just a list of descriptions. Then you'll get told, Oh, you have an anxiety disorder. And then you'll say, but why do I have an anxiety disorder? Well, because you have those symptoms. Well, why do I have those symptoms? Because you've got an anxiety disorder. Can you see you're going in circles? Mm. Yeah, it's a virtual circle. You can't get out of it. You, you're in, and yeah, but it's, and it's a tautology. You can't say the cause is also the symptom and the mm. symptom is also the cause. Also, to say that your brain caused it is also the wrong way around because we don't even have evidence of that. So the signs that the, the so-called your oh, the, the chemical, bipolar is a chemical imbalance or depression is a chemical imbalance, that never was a theory. It was a theory. It was never proved. And in fact, meta-analyses have been done. And there was a paper published in the UK, University College London last year that had, I think, 20 million plus hits, which is huge for one of the, it's in the top most read journal articles in the past 75 years or something. I did some, some statistic, huge statistic like that which shows how it caught the public's attention. And the reason why is because they actually showed, hey, we've got to stop telling people that depression is an it and it's a chemical imbalance and that if you just give someone a a drug, um, then that's going to fix it. So an antidepressant is seen as this medicine that's fixing it. And we started talking about this earlier. It's not the correct way of seeing it. That That antidepressant is not restoring chemicals that are missing. It's simply numbing the brain so that for a moment in time, you don't feel so overwhelmed by all the emotions. But if you keep numbing your brain, you don't resolve the problem. You're just going to get worse and you're going to get damaged to your brain. So you don't want to use it long term. You want to, you know, withdraw very carefully and very slowly. Don't just stop your drugs. But like you've done, you've weaned yourself off because at some point you have to actually deal with the issue. Those drugs aren't fixing. The issue is not the chemical imbalance. There may be some chemical change because it's, the mind works through the brain and it's disruptive and so on. But that's not what's going to fix it. 
So therefore, it's not an antidepressant, not a medication fixing a chemical imbalance, like insulin is fixing a, a damage to the to the pancreas. It what it what an antidepressant is doing is it's actually got nothing to do with the issue. It's actually just simply it's like it's a drug, not a medication. It's a drug that has a psychoactive effect. So it's changing the way that the brain functions, so you don't feel the impact of your life story as badly for a time. But that doesn't help because it has side effects and then people get told your disease is getting worse and they get all the wrong languaging and then you labeled with, oh gosh, I've got this disease and I'm getting worse and nothing helps and I've got to be on medication the rest of my life and it's dangerous if I go off. It's dangerous if you stay on it because you never deal with stuff. And then, yeah, as you said, you've got, and they wanted to give you an antipsychotic. What ends up happening is because of the medication, doing things to your brain, and because of the medication not helping you to process your stuff, you've got now double trouble. You've got to deal with the the change in your brain, and you've got to deal with the fact that you haven't dealt with your stuff yet. So, of course, you're going to feel worse. That's Mm -hmm. not your disease getting worse. That's the treatment that was wrong. Mm -hmm. It needs to be just for an acute moment, for a short period of time, allow you to get to space, and then work through that stuff. Therapy, using my system, my system plus therapy, whatever you Whatever works for you, but you need to work through the stuff. You've got to embrace, process, and reconceptualize. And that way you then get empowered and get control again. If you enjoy this podcast, visit femalebiohacker.com and be part of a special community of women looking to optimize their mind, body, and spirit. If you're tired of sifting through countless websites and books to find the answers to your questions about nutrition, fitness, hormones, mindset, spirituality, and biohacking, the search is over. I've done the research for you and every week we go live with in-depth masterclasses, Q&A calls and monthly challenges to help you transform your life. And when you join the collective, you'll have access to a wealth of information, including deep dive masterclasses and biohacking toolkits on our members' favorites like metabolic flexibility, gut health, stress and resiliency and stepping into your most empowered self. Get access and be coached by me and my team and level up your health, career and life all for less than a dollar a day. Go to femalebiohacker.com or click the link below to get started and I'll see you on the inside.